Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to um, a new episode of SFP Now, our first new episode in about, what, three weeks? Well, it turns out we were planning a move to um, Live365, but we decided not to go after all, so we're sticking with uh, Libsyn. And we've got a series of great shows coming up, but the first one we got got, got for you um, is features an interview with uh, Jamie Anderson, uh, the son of Jerry Anderson, and he's going to be talking about um, a number of things, including the uh, new Terrorhawks audio series that he's going to be doing with Big Finish Audio so we've got that coming up but before that we got some news and uh, joining me to do the uh, weekly news this week is my good friend Patrick Hayes and now here is your weekly news Hey Patrick, how you doing? Pretty good. How you doing, Ian? I'm good. I'm good. I um, I I am just been um, so like um, twiddling my thumbs for about three weeks. Uh, you know, learning to edit. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been um, it's it's been it's been an experience. Um, so news, um, all sorts of stuff been going on this week. Um, I, I'll start off with an interesting story that I'll. Uh, I don't know if you have any interest in this at all. You okay. might. Uh, but DICE, um, as you know, it's been a big video game convention on uh, this last week um, with the E3 show. Oh, yeah. And uh, DICE were on hand uh, to reveal, uh, to reveal um, the depth of their research for Star Wars Battlefront, which is the... Um, which is the new version of the Battlefront series, a game that they're releasing. Uh, it's probably going to come out sometime next year. And they released a behind-the-scenes trailer for the, new, for the new game, which is going to be released through EA Games. And um, they, they're, basic, they're basically showing the amount of love and respect that they've got for Star Wars, and it's show, showing you a video of them going to the various different locations where they filmed the original Star Wars trilogy. And, and stuff like that, but it also shown you a little bit of the uh, in-game engine footage, and what what a game engine is, it's kind of like the the, the uh, it's kind of like the game 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 engine that they use. It, it gives them an idea of what the game looks like. Um, so basically, if you watch the video, the the game is not necessarily going to look as good as the footage that they're showing you on the video. It'll probably be somewhere in between. Right, you know, but it was still still not really good. But from from the, from the game engine footage, it looks really, really, really good. 
Yeah, that uh, footage has been popping up online all over the place, and uh, it looks some of those shots look as good as anything from any of the films, the last three films. It's it's really pretty. Yeah, and what, I, what I'm kind of liking about it as well is it looks like it's going to be set in the uh, in the universe of the uh, of the original trilogy as well. Hooray! So you know we're we're not going to get any uh, re- revenge of the um, revenge of the Sith stuff or or any of that stuff. Right. So, you know, I, I like it. You know, I like the look of it. Um, and, you know, I'm 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 a, I'm a Star Wars gaming fan from way back when they bought out Rebel Alliance. Right. You know, and the um, and and um, you know the the, the X Wing games and the Tie Fighter games. Um, but I don't like the the Star Wars games where you've got a guy with a lightsaber and he's fighting through loads and loads of troops stuff like that. I, I just prefer to fly stuff. Right. And drive vehicles and blast shit. <laughs> just blowing stuff up. Yeah, just just basically blowing stuff up, and um, and and there's actually a skill to fly an X-wing fighter through the turret system when you're going to blow up the Death Star. You know, there's a right. real, there's a real <laughs> skill to that. Whereas if you you know doing backflips and somersaults with a lightsaber and stuff like that, there, there probably is a skill to that as well. But I, I'm just not into that. I just prefer to fly or, or drive a vehicle. <laughs> you know, that's just me. <laughs> Um, anyway, do you have anything? Um, yeah, there's been a whole lot of uh, movie and TV news, especially casting. Um, one of the newest uh, news items that just came out recently was they've cast the actor who's going to play the Kingpin on the Daredevil TV series that's going to start filming soon. Oh, yeah, I, I got I got something from, from Raisa on that, in, in my inbox. Uh, I think Robin's probably going to cover that in her Marvel... In her Marvel um, she, she does an article uh, every week now, which basically rounds up all, all the Marvel-related news. Right. There's there's tons of Marvel news. They cast um, actor um, Vincent D'Onofrio, who's probably most famous for being the lead on Law & Order Criminal Intent for so many years. That's right. And we, we've also got a new director for Ant-Man now as well. That's right. So, you know, there is all sorts of Marvel news. It's kind of hard to keep track of, which is why we're just doing a news roundup every week now. Right. You know? But but that's that's a huge news story that came out. And then, um, I don't know if you've been keeping track, there's a TV series coming on from DC that I'm really excited about. They're going to make a, a Constantine TV series. Uh-huh. I've seen the trailer for it. It looks awesome. Have you seen the new trailer that just got released? I've not, but I will check it out. There's a one thing that came on that was, if you're a DC Comics fan... And I'm a huge fan of this character. I went absolutely crazy when I saw it. Somebody is holding the helmet of Dr. Fate in the trailer. Ooh. And Dr. Fate is probably the most powerful human-based sorcerer wizard on Earth in the DC Universe. The only thing that can stop him would be the Spectre. I mean, Dr. Fate is on the level of a god. He's a god of order. And um, when I saw those hands grabbing that helmet, I had to stop the trailer and go, oh, my God, they're going to do it. So they're really going to be embracing um, certain portions of the DC Universe in this series. And I'm really on fire for this now. Mm, that, that's kind of interesting, the whole Doctor Fate thing, because they actually did a version of Doctor Fate in Smallville, but it was really, really dumbed down. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to, because Doctor Fate is a character who could literally stop Superman in his tracks. He's that powerful. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, well, they, they didn't want to stop Tom Welling in his tracks. It's it's a pity that you know they they could have actually shortened the whole series. Yeah, they had they had a good two part episode with the um, with those character with the Golden Age DC characters. But I'm I'm really excited to see what they do with uh, with the character if he appears on Constantine. Cool. I mean, I I'd, I'd love to see a series with the Golden Age characters, to be honest. Oh, absolutely. Well, maybe that could happen if that. Um, New uh, Shield spin-off series, Agent Carter, goes over well, which is going to be set in, uh, right after World War II. That'd be perfect uh, opportunity for Warner Brothers to go for a world post World War II DC heroes series. Absolutely, and the, and the great thing about Agent Carter is they're, they're going to be including the Howling Commandos. So I'm really excited about that. Oh yeah, when that stuff started showing up at the last couple episodes of Shield for the first season, I was really excited about that. Oh, absolutely. When you know because. Um, I can't remember the character's name, but his dad, his dad or grandfather was one of the original Howling Commandos, right? Right, he was. And that, that's where he got all the stuff from. I thought, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, oh yeah. You know. um, another bit of news, but this probably interests you um, um, as well as me, but I don't think I'm going to be able to get out to see it because I think they're already touching London in the, in the UK. But Peter Capaldi and Jenna Coleman um, are actually going to be doing a Will Tour, a Dot Who Will Tour, in August. I saw that. And so like, basically show, showrunner Stephen Moffat will be joining the pair, but you know he's only going to be joining them on selected dates, subject to availability sort of thing. But I think it kicks off in Brazil on August. Now it starts in the UK on August 7th and ends in Brazil on August 19th. Right. I know their uh, stopover in the U.S. is only scheduled for New York right now, but I'm hoping they make a West Coast appearance. Um, I think the I think the ne- nearest one to you would be probably New Mexico. Oh, that's still ways. Yeah, so that, that they're doing New Mexico, but um, I thought I'd give that a mention because it's a couple of months away. But that I thought that was pretty cool. Doctor Who will talk. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so um, that's something for us to be uh, uber uber excited about. <laughs> and um, another another news story that's come out. Um, you probably do you remember Sonic the Hedgehog? Yes, I do. Did you used to play Sonic the Hedgehog? The original first edition for the home home system. Yes, I did Absolutely. for Sega. For Sega. Well, uh, another news item which I've just found is they're actually going to be doing um, a Sonic the Hedgehog movie at Ooh. Sony. Uh, producer Neil Moritz is working on a big screen version of the one billion dollar video game franchise which is being written by Upright Citizens Brigade Agonizer Evan Sousa and uh, Van Van Rob um, and probably I probably made a, a mess of that name but there we go. <laughs> so that's wow, I'd be all for that. Yeah, I'd be all for that. You know, it'd be interesting to see um, Sonic the Hedgehog. So I I always I I never really liked Mario. Mario had some moments. I, it's not a perfect movie. It, it, that's a movie that's dying to be redone. A Super Mario Brothers movie would be great with today's special effects abilities. But, um, yeah, it'd be nice to see a fun video game as opposed to, like, a, a, a hardcore shoot-em-upper. Yeah, I'm not talking about, uh, I'm not talking about the Mario movie. Um, I'm talking about Mario games. I never really oh. got into them. I didn't, you know... I I, um, I was always of the opinion that Nintendo's graphics, when comparison when, when compared to Sega, just sucked. <laughs> well, that's when uh, Sonic was the game that really started to take some bite out of Nintendo's uh, 
pockets with uh, that game. I mean, it went over big time. That put Sega on the map. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and the other thing I didn't like about Mario is he started off as a villain. Yes, he did. You know, he he was a guy that uh, that that song that was trying to kill Donkey Kong. Yes, he was. <laughs> you know, he's trying to save the princess too. Yeah, but you know that princess, she she just wanted the ape man. She she wanted Kong. <laughs> you know, she 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 wanted Kong. She had sort of like a Tarzan fantasy, and Kong was the nearest guy on hand that could fulfil that fantasy. And Mario was just the interfering little gimp that ran up after and had to save her. She didn't want to be saved. (laughs) (laughs) She kind of reminds me of uh, Liam Neeson's family, who's always taken away every two years in the movies. Yeah, um, but, you know, how many sequels did Donkey Kong get now? Oh, (laughs) jeez. Has to be double digits. Oh, yeah, I mean, I remember Donkey Kong Country, and that was pretty good. Um, Over to you, do you have anything else? Um, yes, I do. Um, there was a big hot story that got shot down within hours, and I was one of the people, I was all set to report on it on the website, and I thought, no, nah, I better not now. A story came out of the Phoenix Comic Con convention that just happened this last weekend, and that was that um, uh, a big person in Star Wars fandom, Larry Nemesic, who used to write for Star Trek Communicator, he wrote the Star Trek Next Generation Companion. He even uh, wrote an episode of Voyager. Had said, supposedly, that Netflix was in talks to do a Star Trek TV series. Oh, man. And boy, has the internet, it's still popping up in sites as, oh, this is new, this is new. Well, supposedly, early on Monday, literally the day, a couple hours after that posting, that story went up, um, Larry Nemesek said, it's not true. I never said that. I did not say there were discussions going on. It's been brought up in the past, but he currently has no knowledge of any present-day discussions about a new Star Trek series on Netflix. And I swear I heard every Trekkie in the world moan at that comment. I, you know, this this has been going on for a while, though. I mean, even, even since they did the uh, whole Let's Save Enterprise thing... Uh, oh, yeah. For a while, and and then then the um, then then we seen the uh, you know of gods and men and various other things proving that it can actually be done on a tight budget. And, yeah. And um, you know the the thing is you know so like it doesn't surprise me that um, you know a Netflix series has actually come up. It's been it's been this has been brewing for ages. You know, I can't can't remember who it was, but there was a song like a campaign launched uh, on Facebook uh, yeah. a while back to do a to, to do a Star Trek show on Netflix, and um, I think there's various people who are actually running it by 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 uh, one one of the people involved in 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 Gods and Men who, who helped do the effects, and he said, you know, as nice a dream as it is, it will never happen. Uh, I don't know. I mean, when a story gets repeated so often, there's got to be a kernel of truth in there. There, there has, there has, and um, you know, it's it's a bit like the whole can thing with uh, Star Trek uh, Into Darkness, which is a film we'd all rather forget. But you know, that 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 rumor that can would be in in that film started almost immediately after the first film. Right, and you know, after the all the excitement of the first film had began to die down, you know, it kind of started in December two thousand nine. Yeah. Um, I'm 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 sure done. Once they're planning the third movie, I mean, they're in the stages of it. 
Once that starts filming, somebody at CBS is gonna, and Paramount is going to pull the trigger and start to do a TV series. Big time. It needs to be done. They, you know, they, they, they've been stalling on a TV series for years. And, you know, really, if you think about it, it's the ideal climate to do it now because uh, there's no space-bound science fiction on the air at the moment. Nothing. No. I mean, I know Sci-Fi Channel are doing a few things, but, you know, with Sci-Fi Channel, you're not guaranteed that those shows are going to take off. Right. You know? Right. And, and the only competition they would have is Doctor Who. And if anything, they're going to copy the BBC's format for filming and just do 10 to maybe 12 episodes for a season and call it at that. I, I think that would actually be a good idea. And I also think that if to do, to do a Star Trek show now, with Doctor Who being out there... You know, it, it would actually sort of like uh, a new Star Trek show would actually help interest in Doctor Who and vice versa. You know, I don't, absolutely. I don't think I, I don't think, um, I don't think either one will cancel cancel the other one out. But by the same token, um, funny enough, when they started airing um, Star Trek: The Next Generation in this country back in the late eighties, uh, the BBC cancelled Doctor Who. Right. So, so you know that that's to put a bit of a downer on things, but you know I don't think Doctor Who's going anywhere. No, and as much as I hate to admit it, as an American, I would say right now Doctor Who is looked upon more kindly, I believe, than Star Trek is right now, just with the general public. Yeah, well, that that that's been that's been the case for a while. Yeah. You know, even after the even after the first film came out, it's still the case. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they built it up a little bit. Um, they lost some. They lost some credence with even the hardcore fans, such as myself, with that last Star Trek movie. But I mean, there. This would be the perfect time. Mm-hmm. It, it would be. It would be. And I'm, you know, I'd be. Uh, I'd be really excited to see a new Star Trek show. Um, you know, quite simply put, because I, I'm kind of bored of watching reruns of Deep Space Nine, Next Generation, and all the others now. Right. Right. I've even been considering going back to try Voyager, and I know I can't make it through some of those seasons. Well, I've got Enterprise, so I've got all of Enterprise on on DVD, and 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 I think Enterprise was marginally better than Voyager. Uh, Enterprise was getting phenomenal. The last season of Voyager is is headed in the right direction, and it's a shame that was its last season. Mm, yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's all I keep, you know, they. They gave Chakotay more to do in the last season. Right. Um, so I, I guess you've got a point there. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'd, I'd be excited to, new, to see a new TV show, but I want a new TV show to be set in the Prime Universe. Yeah. In the future. Yeah, see, I don't... That's, that's a real sticking point. I don't know if um, executives think the audience is clever enough to catch on to that. I really think they'd make it in this new Star Trek universe. They'd give it to... They'd gonna have to give it to a new captain. It wouldn't be Enterprise they focus on. It'd have to be a different ship. Hmm. I, I, you know, I, I don't think I, I don't think I'd match on to it if it was set in the uh, Abrams universe. Not 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 given how, how much of, of um, a cock-up they made of uh, Into Darkness now. Yeah, I mean... I'm I'm fanboy enough to admit it. I'm going to sit and watch it no matter what it is, but I would rather it be in the Prime Universe as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'd probably sit and watch it no matter what it is, but um, I probably wouldn't be very forgiving of it if it screwed the pooch <laughs> out the gate, um, as, as, as they say. 
Um, anyway, on to, um, on to another bit of news. Uh, apparently Warner Brothers Studios have, have, have announced um, a, a, a new studio tour which is going to start in the summer with um, a Batman exhibit. Yeah. Um, basically celebrating 75 year, 75th anniversary DC Entertainment's Batman, Warner Brothers is transforming part of its studio tour museum into a miniature Gotham City for the summer. Uh, more than half of the ground floor of the museum will be given over to the Batman exhibit, um, a limited run exhibit that includes Batman costumes from a character's cinematic history, including those worn by Michael Keaton and Christoph- Christian Bale in Batman and the Dark Knight, Knight Rises, respectively, as well as uh, props from the various Bat-related features. So, you know, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, I just took the Paramount tour um, a couple months ago, and that was pretty fun. Warner Brothers tour is a little more expensive, so that's going to be my next big tour that I want to go on at a movie studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I did. I remember doing the Doctor Who tour way back in the day, back in the seventies, when they used to have a they used to have a Doctor Who exhibit in Blackpool. Oh yeah, um, but, and that, that was kind of cool. But you got close to a Dalek and stuff like that. Um, but I've not done the new Doctor Who tour in Cardiff, which is, you know, kind of a kind, kind of a travesty, really, considering that I've got a friend in Cardiff, <laughs> got, got in. But you know, my, my friends, my friend said to me, you know, saying, "Look, it's not very good, and it's really, really expensive. You're probably better off spending your money elsewhere." Oh my goodness! And and this this guy works at the BBC. <laughs> so, oh my goodness! Yeah, that's not a good sign. So it's just the. Uh, so it, it's 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 not a good sign, but I th- you know as you say, but I think it's actually improved since. You know, I think they've actually made some improvements of it. But the best dot two thing that I did uh, was when Matt Smith first became Doctor. They did a they did a live show uh, where they had it was all all the dancers and some of the the actors on stage were actually live, and it was done with intercutting scenes of Matt Smith as the new Doctor Who. And oh, wow. I saw that before the uh, before the new series premiered back in 2011, when when well, 2010 when Matt Smith took over, right. and I absolutely had a ball with it. It was it was very much aimed at kids, but it, it had references to to what all manner of uh, past Doctor Who episodes, you know, and it was really really good. Yeah, that that'd be great if they could do something like that in the states. I would love to see that. Yeah, well, you know, you never know. Um, I mean, given how given how popular Dot Two remains, um, and if Peter Capaldi, do, you know, comes over as good as sort of like Matt Smith has done, um, you right. never know. Um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Peter Capaldi is going to be as popular as as Matt Smith and David Tennant was for the simple reason that um, I don't think a lot of the fan girls are going to go for him. No, I have a friend who's adamantly done with Doctor Who. Yeah, you know, so there's a girl on YouTube that's adamantly done with Doctor Who, you know. Who is he? Ooh, he's dead old. <laughs> oh, that's right, when uh, he got announced at that uh, that oh, one show at the end. Oh, God, that was so funny. I, oh, I, yes, I saw it. But I thought that, I thought it was just funny. Um, anyway, that about wraps up the news for this week. Um, now it's time for our interview this week, which is... Um, I forgot to announce it at the beginning of the show. Shame on me. But the interview <laughs> happens to be with the um, fantastic Jamie Anderson, the uh, the son of the late Thunderbirds creator Jerry Anderson. And um, you know, in, in this interview, he talks about uh, about 
a new Terror Hawks audio uh, drama which is being produced by Big Finish. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that. Interview. I'd like to welcome um, Jamie Anderson back to the show. Uh, Jamie, how are you doing? It's been, it's been quite a while since we spoke. It has been a while. I'm doing very well, thank you very much, yes. Okay, well, you know, we, we've, had, we've heard quite a bit of news coming out of, um, you know, out, out from Anderson Entertainment over the last, uh, last couple of months. But I think the biggest uh, news, which is something I should imagine you're really, really happy about, is the fact that we have um, a Terror Hawks audio series coming out, um, with, you know, through Big Finish. Um, how, how did that actually come about? Uh, uh, slightly by chance and slightly, I think, by my obsession with Terrorhawks, uh, I, I met uh, Nick Briggs from Big Finish, also the voice of the Daleks. Uh, I met him at Brit Sci-Fi 3, so that would have been March last year. And we just got chatting over a gin and tonic or something like that, I think it was. Um, and, uh, and I just got to know Nick gradually um, and got to like him a lot. He's a very nice chap and uh, we get on very well. And over time, he just, you know, would express to me what a big fan he was of all Dad's work, especially Thunderbirds and, and Stingray and the other shows. And over time, we just talked about possible ways of working together because uh, obviously as, as a, a long-time Doctor Who fan as well I was aware of what Big Finish do and continue to do with all the Doctor Who stuff um, so we just kept chatting and eventually uh, I, I'd been getting in touch with Christopher Burr who was Dad's business partner of the, of the 1980s uh, and said I think we should try and breathe some new life into Terror Hawks Christopher and he agreed because, like me, he kind of feels like the show was very popular at the time. You know, it had nine million viewers a week when it was mm-hmm. being shown and never really kind of, I don't know, it was never made the most out of it. So we thought we'd breathe some new life into it. And at the same time, I was talking to Nick about ways of working together. And I said, Terrorhawks. And he said, well, I'll think about it. Um, and then within about six weeks, we'd signed a deal to, uh, to make a series of eight episodes. So it was just kind of the stars aligning um, and me being persistently fanatical about Terrorhawks, I think. I think when uh, Terrorhawks came out, it, it was um, it was shown on a Sunday afternoon. And I always felt that, that you know, that showing it on a Sunday afternoon didn't really do it very, very many favours in, uh, in terms of viewing figures. Because sun, Sunday afternoon is ne- was never really a time that I had associate with you know, have, having some something on for the kids. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was odd timing, but despite that, it was still getting 9 million plus viewers a week. So I think that's a testament to, to how successful it was at the time. I mean, there's a lot of people uh, who were probably fans of uh, Thunderbirds and the Super Mario Nation series the first time around, or were fans of UFO and Space 1999. Uh, and those two kind of groups of people, they were either really, really fond of Super Mario Nation or really fond of the live-action stuff, and Terrorhawks is neither of those. So when they knew that there was new Jerry Anderson stuff coming, I think it didn't meet their expectations for either group. So there's a, there's a lot of people who would rather call the show Terrible Hawks than its real name. <laughs> um, uh, and I can understand from their point of view, but it was really successful at the time, and I really think it deserves a new lease of life. Well, from my point of view, is um, I, I, I never really fitted into either of those camps. Um, I, I like the live action stuff with uh, Space 1999, which is one that I remember most. UFO was a little bit in if me. I would have been about three or four when that was made. But where, when Space 1999 came out, I was probably just the right age. 
Um, and I also like Thunderbirds and Stingray. And I remember, I remember in the eighties seeing Fireborn at Cell Five as well one summer. I quite enjoyed that. Um, but when Ter- Terrorhawks came out, I, I actually quite enjoyed it. I, I just didn't enjoy it as much as the as the other things. Um, I don't think it deserves the name Terrible Hawks. No, neither do I. Because you know, the, the the acting performances were, were just as good, and the, uh, the it, it was still puppets, and it was a and it was still re- well, really well done. Mm. And yeah, had, and I think the effect stuff with Steve Bagenko was fantastic as well. So mm. you know, it, it had all the right elements. Um, I think just when you you know when a show is competing against a body of work that contains Thunderbirds and Space Nine from '99, it's a hard act to follow. But uh, you know, if you look at it in isolation, it, it's a great little show. And and it also had Windsor Davis. In the cast as well, um, you know, from from in our uh, footman, which, which which always made me made, made me giggle. I know it's an unusual one. Unfortunately, I'm I'm sad to say that Windsor can't, can't join us for the new show. Uh, he's retired and enjoying retirement in south of France. But uh, luckily for us, Jeremy Hitchin, uh, who was on the original cast and played Einstein, is an excellent Windsor Davis impersonator. Uh, so that should be pretty seamless. But yeah, no, I, Windsor's uh, Sergeant Major Zero was a pretty iconic voice in that, in that mm-hmm. series. I mean, you know, we used to always take, take, you know, be, you know, send him up when we were kids because we, you know, it and our footman was, was on, and uh, every time it got to the end of the uh, end of that show with Nanda's Hope and Gamori being sung, I mean, going shut up, you know, us kids in the living room along with, along with father, we'd all go shut up in tandem. <laughs> it was so much fun. Um, but I was looking. I was looking on. Um, I was actually looking on IMDb the other day at this at the uh, story outline for Terrorhawks, and uh, I, I, I kind of realised it's only like four years off from actually happening. You know, the events in Terrorhawks because it's set in twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, is this is this a new audio series going to be set a few years after, or is it set in the same time period? Uh, the audio series is set um, just a few months after the original series. We thought about ways of kind of changing it and bringing it up to date, but I, I'm not really a fan of changing something if you're going to kind of continue it continue it on. Um, so it's. I think we'll have to look at it as it's in its own little universe because in the original show, you know, they were looking into the future to 2020. Uh, They didn't talk about the internet or Facebook or iPads or anything like that. So it's still going to be faithful to the to the, the future 2020 as seen from 1983 and 1984. It's, it's a bit of a, a, a task to write for that. I, I always thought the um, I always thought the cars, the little hover cars that they drove around in, were pretty cool. Yeah, the police the police cruisers and stuff were pretty awesome. But I bet you see this is the problem we we face now. And uh, and Steve Begg was very quick to point this out to me. He said, "What's the point of doing?" A science fiction show with lots of explosions and cool designs with no visuals in it. <laughs> and I understand what he's saying, but I, for me, uh, later in the, in the series with Terrells, you know, as you approach the kind of the last 13 episodes that were made, I, I kind of really think it found its feet in terms of story and a little bit of mild sci-fi comedy and that kind of stuff. So... 
what we're lacking in uh, in visuals, we should be making up in uh, in terms of story um, and awesome sound effects and music. How many uh, how many of the uh, original cast members are coming back to uh, to, to do it? Um, I mean, obviously, Windsor Davis can't because he's retired. But yeah, so uh, aside from Windsor, there are four other original cast, and unfortunately, Anne Riddler passed away a few years ago, and Anne played uh, Kate and sister. Uh, but the remaining three, that's Jeremy Hitchin, Robbie Stevens, who was then known as Ben Stevens, and Denise Breyer, uh, are all joining us again. And Denise is the longest-running uh, Anderson um, actor. Um, she she goes right back to Twizzle, where she played Foot Over Cat uh, in 1957. Wow. Um, and she's still doing Anderson stuff now, which really excites me for some reason. I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Will you be voicing a role, do you think? <laughs> I don't think so. My acting is not too much. Uh, I'm writing on the show, but I, I don't think I should be doing any voices. Um, could you um, could you possibly see you know if, if this proves popular with Big Finish? Can you see you know getting additional series? Um? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we we are talking about a second series of Terrorhawks, uh, depending on how well the show is received. And I'm I'm pretty positive about it. Actually, there's a lot been a lot of excitement and chatter from the kind of '80s nostalgia crowd. Um, but we're also talking to them about other possibilities. Um, I can't really go into the details, but there, there's possibilities for other Anderson shows too. Cool. That, that, that'd be good if there's other Anderson shows out there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know. I, obviously, the tech and the design and the effects and stuff were integral parts of the shows, but... I think the heart and the spirit and the story, uh, and in many cases, or in most cases, the acting, was a really important part of the shows too. So I, I don't think we're losing anything by going to audio. And it, you know, it's a tough time to raise finance for the TV series and for film. Uh, and this gives us a way to just get the ball rolling and get some new material out there, but continuing in the, in the spirit of the original shows. Yeah, well, I think we've got the uh, not your modern shows with with the effects and movies. Uh, you know, so a lot of them go crazy with the effects and uh, not so crazy with writing. And uh, you know, some, some, sometimes it seems like it's um, a lot of uh, a lot of flashy, showy stuff over any substance and story and um, mm. and character development in in, in 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 some of the new stuff. I'm not saying that about everything that's new, but you know. No, but I, maybe there's a tendency to use it as a crutch. And at the end of the day, we are we are storytelling. So the story's got to be you know the mo- really the most important. part. Oh, so that's exactly what we're going to be focusing on uh, for Terrorhawks. Well, the last time you and I spoke, it was in regards to a Gemini Force One, uh, yep. which gained successful funding through 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 um, Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, now, from what I can tell, a lot has actually happened since. Uh, would, would you mind uh, updating us on, on, on Gemini Force One? Uh, yeah, so uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Gemini Force One was Dad's kind of final uh, novel project, um, sort of classic Jerry Anderson rescue theme. Um, and I'd taken it around to a few publishers and tried to get them to, to put it out there. And generally the response would be, and this is great, but can we make the characters into kids? Or just, they constantly wanted to, to chip away at what made it a genuine Anderson project um, and, and turn it into something else. And I think that's the kind of, the area where uh, things like the Thunderbirds 2004 film went very, very wrong indeed. Mm-hmm. So we took it to Kickstarter in order that we could finish the book and publish it independently. Now the, the problem with independent publishing is that it's a lot more difficult to get the book out there 
to get it distributed, to get it uh, sold internationally. So it was going to be a real task, but we were going to keep it as pure as possible to Dad's original idea. So uh, that was fine by me. And we, we raised the money, more than raised the money. We were, I think we were 137% funded, which was amazing. And so many people excited about it and putting in their hard-earned cash, which was you know, which was amazing. But the, the, the thing that came out of that was that um, we kind of showed the world that people still want Anderson uh, projects and, and new material. And we caught the eye of a publisher. Um, a publisher was Orion. Um, they're quite well known for their sci-fi arm, Galantz. And they were really interested. Um, and best of all, they didn't want to change it. They wanted to keep it as it, as it was intended to be. So we had a few meetings with them and... Uh, catalyzed by the Kickstarter campaign and its success and the positivity that people have shown towards it, um, we signed a three-book deal with Orion. So that delayed our um, uh, our sort of independent publication date by a little bit, but means now that we get three books rather than one, with two releases uh, in 2015 and third book coming out in 2016. So it's ideal timing. It just seems like the right time. 50th anniversary of Thunderbirds, you know, a, a major new Jerry Anderson project, although it is it is fiction, uh, you know, rather than a TV or, or film project. Um, so that's been really exciting. And, and in the meantime, I've been working with Andrew Probert, uh, getting some vehicles designed and that kind of stuff. And I meet regularly with M.G. Harris, who's our author, uh, to... Kind of make, just make sure things are, are staying as, as true to a, a genuine Jerry Anderson project as possible, um, which isn't difficult for her because she's an enormous fan of the show. Um, so it's been a pretty exciting ride. Um, and I just, I just can't wait now. We've got three months, in fact, less than three months, two and a half months until the special collector's edition is out. That's a limited run, um, you know, beautiful black case, black matte case with a gold embossed GF1 emblem. Um, and, it, you know, there's only 500 of them available. So, it, you know, any, any real kind of hardcore Anderson fans can get their hands on the book early on. Um, kind of six, six to eight months before the general public release. Cool. I actually donated cool. myself because I, I, I just had to get a copy of the book. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, then, then you, you'll be getting your uh, your book in, in August with everybody else. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to August now. <laughs> I think I think you'll enjoy it. The, the first book is yeah, it just it's just Anderson through and through, um, which makes it really exciting. Um, and it's yeah, it's I'm I'm you know I've, I've admitted before to not being a huge fiction reader, although actually um, reading the reading to the first GF1 book has kind of turned me on to fiction slightly. So I think that's a really good sign. Yeah, yeah. I, I I tend to read both fiction and bio, biographical stuff. Mm. Um, you know, so like, um, I like to have a, a little bit of both in my life, you know, strike a nice little balance. Um, do you think there's any chance with the success of the, uh, you know, with, with the Orion Books deal that it could actually lead to some sort of TV project for GF, G, GMF? Um, I'm really hopeful that GF1 will, will move towards TV and film. Uh, you know, there's such a, a sort of a strong history of the very best uh, works of fiction going on to become uh, movies, especially. Um, and I really do think it's it's potentially something very special. So the book will hopefully, the book series will hopefully catalyse um, move moves towards a TV series or a film. Which I mean, you know, to be honest, that, that were Dad's aims. He wanted to put something on paper that couldn't be tampered with. 
prove to be popular and then that would give him a, a better route to produce a show that he, he really loved uh, and was really true to his original. So, yeah, I, everything's going to plan so far. Just keep your fingers crossed for me. I, I, I definitely, I'll definitely do just that because um, it'd be great to see, see, see a, a new Jerry Anderson show and that's actually true to, um, you know, to, to the best of what he's done before. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and it's great, great to see Terror Hawks back as well. You know, even if it, even if it's audio, it's still mm. great to have that. You know, ha- have that back because um, I know for a fact Big Finish do a load of good stuff. I mean, I've, I've actually got a few of their Doctor Who stories. Yep. I've been tempted to uh, dip into some of their Highlander stories because I do Highlander. But they're also doing. Um, they've also started, you know, doing some classic, uh, some classic uh, literature stuff. I think they did Phantom of the Opera with Tom Baker recently, and um, and and a few other things. So you know, yeah, doing Sherlock Holmes and bits and pieces. I mean, their their catalogue's pretty extensive, and they've got a really nice range of stuff. Uh, but obviously, the Doctor Who stuff is the material I'm I'm most familiar with. Um, so I just they're, they're the right people. The job, you know? they, they, they absolutely are. They do, they do bring in job. I um, mean, so like, uh, you know, when you're listening to them, you just sort of like transported into that world, and you know, your, imag- your own imagination takes over and just fills in the blanks anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's um, it's as good as reading as reading a book, yeah. um, but you know, obviously less work. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've actually noticed that, in, and this is this last question before we go, um, I've noticed that you have um, a special Terror Hawks event happening in September. Um, what can you share with us about that? Ooh, uh, uh, we don't actually have a Terror Hawks event in September. I think that might be Fanson's one from last year, thinking of. Ooh, oh, well, that's, that's a bit of a boo-boo on my part, isn't it? It's <laughs> <laughs> all right, but, but uh, I can say that there is that, um, there's Big Finish Day 5 on the 13th of September, and I believe we will be doing some Terrorhawks related activities there. I think that's what it was. Ah, uh, okay. Um, it, it's just that, you know, where I read it, it, it actually, um, it actually sort of like advertised it as a standalone Terrorhawks event. Uh, so this is, it's it's, it's, it's Terrorhawks as part of Big Finish Day 5, so I'm, I will be there. I've got a busy weekend that weekend, actually. The 12th and 14th, I'm at uh, Alpha 2014, um, the Space Times in 99 con. And I've got to nip back down to Slough for Big Finish Day 5 on, on the 13th. So, mm-hmm. busy weekend. Well, you know, do, do your utmost best to avoid David Brent along the way. <laughs> I think he's been kicked out now, hasn't he? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I mean, so like, um, most likely. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, obviously for, um, for, for for listeners that you know are not familiar, David Brent from The Office, Ricky Gervais. So <laughs> there we go. Um, but Jamie, it's been great having you on the show again. Thank you for having me. And good to be back. The, the very best of luck with uh, with Terra Hawks. I hope it all works out for you, and um, and also Gemini Force One. I'm hoping that becomes a becomes a great big hit for you guys. I hope so too. And uh, fingers crossed, next time we speak, there'll be yet another project up and running. Well, let's let's hope that that's the case because um, I, I do believe that there are quite a few things that 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 Dave Favre was working on that they can sort of like um, carry on with. Absolutely, yeah. I've, I've got a few bits and pieces sat around me now, working out the best one to work on. So, um, yeah, plenty more to come from the Anderson stable. Okay, well, thanks a lot, Jamie. It's been great having you on again. Cheers, Ian. Thanks. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Blake Seven, Caged. Information. 
Liberator is now 70,000 spatials from requested coordinates. It's time we were leaving. What? Out there? What's wrong? I thought you'd got a taste for playing the hero. Only when it's not going to get me killed. There has to be a way out. There is always a way out. Logic dictates that sooner or later, luck is going to run out. If you had just listened to us for once, then we wouldn't even be here. You would have been dead long ago without me. Like Gan. Take that back. It's over. Your crusade is finished. Who have you thrown yourself in with this time? Mr. President, welcome to the cage. Very impressive it is too, Commander. When the time comes, when you've finished making an example of him, I want to be the one to execute Blake. This is a cage for you, Blake, for your crew and your ship. The Liberator? What are they doing to her? Those are drones crawling over every inch. You are going to watch as the greatest symbol of your rebellion is ground to pieces before your eyes. No! Cut her open! No! Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com Steve Lund, and I play the character Nick Sorrentino on the new sci-fi and space series Bitten, and you are listening to Sci-Fi Pulse Radio.com, taking the pulse of sci-fi. about all we have time for this week folks um again thanks for listening and thanks for bearing with us i know it's been three long weeks since we last we were last on the air but the good news is we've actually got enough content to actually see us through over the next few weeks at least so you know we're not going to have another longish break like that um so I'd like to thank you for listening and uh, just to sort of give you all a quick heads up, next week we have an interview with Nicholas Briggs, who's the uh, voice of the Daleks, Cybermen, um, the Zygons and just about any other Doctor Who villain you can possibly, you know, wrap your head round. And um, on top of that, he's also um, the main executive producer at Big Finish Audio, as well as a writer, director and producer in his own right. So... Really looking forward to song like bringing that one to you. Um, anyway, that's about all we have time for now. Um, I'm pretty sure Genre Attainment's going to be back on the air pretty soon with Matt. So, um, so fingers crossed for that. Uh, thanks for listening, as always, and we'll be back with you next week. Bye for now. <laughs>